0: blue wire.
2: Kawhi Leonard
0: is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win! got Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! Lou Williams for the win! Bingo!
2: Yo, what's going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and, Clip and Roll. Excuse me, I'm off to a great start here. It's another episode of Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. Joined with me tonight is my normal co-host Farbad Esnashari. Farbad, we actually haven't done a podcast in a while. How's everything been on your end?
1: I have returned from Hawaii, ten pounds heavier,
2: but I not tanned.
1: A, I not that tanned. Tomer got really tan. I had a random fan approach me in the bathroom of Staples Center saying, "You you left out Justin." Never still. To Tomer this told this day, me
2: that too, and I was like, "To this day, was,
1: don't know who that was." And he was just Tomer like,
2: told me that too. And I was like, that's, I, I don't understand.
1: You know, I was literally washing my hands in the bathroom. So, whoever you are, shout out. <laughs> uh, I did some media calls going through the jungle, which was terrifying. And then I told Tomer, don't ask a question because I'm about to curse right now. So, it, it, all in all, it's been a while. You're alive.
2: Time. You're alive, though. So, that's good.
1: And that, yes. Yes, I ate every bad food anyone could eat. I ate like five weeks worth of unhealthy food in five days.
2: That sounds like the dream now I'm actually sad I didn't go.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, we watched we actually watched the play in games from the infinity pool next to the next to the beach. Oh,
2: stop. Please stop talking. Don't tell <laughs> me this. this is, don't 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 tell me this. Anyways, for those who might have missed game four. Shane and I recap the first three games and profile what might, you know, be some adjustments for Game Four. Well, Game Four was Sunday, Sunday evening in Dallas. Clippers come out and they just storm Dallas. They take they take Game Four. They kind of, I guess, emotionally and if you believe in momentum, take some control back in the series that is tied two two now. Coming back to Los Angeles. For game five on Wednesday night, Clippers win game four, 106-81. They led as, as much by, I believe, eight, uh, 28 points at one point, maybe, I believe. So, I mean, this, from the get-go, was the type of performance we wanted to see out of the Clippers in this series. This was by far their best game. It was also Dallas's worst game. Maybe some of that went hand-in-hand. It's hard to tell a little bit, but we're going to get into that in a minute, um, we can't talk about this game without first starting with the biggest storyline from this game. At second half, of t- in the second half of game three, to start the second half of game three, Ty Lu benches Aviza Zubats and starts Nicholas Batum for the third quarter. He goes small. They switch everything. They win game three. Game four, we're wondering what the starting lineup changes is going to be because, Ty plays coy again, even right before the game starts. in the pregame presser with all of us, he doesn't give us a starting lineup. Come to find out, starting lineup is the starting lineup as it was in the second half of game three. So it's Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, and Nicholas Batum. Zubat once again gets moved to the bench. And I have to say, I'm not a big fan of the Clippers small ball lineup against Dallas at times. Or I should just say I'm not a fan of it at times, like in certain settings. But against this Dallas team, it works, and it worked beautifully in this game, in Game Four, because they were able to switch a ton against Luka Doncic. They were able to do hard show and recoveries with Reggie Jackson, which we can get into a little bit later. And they were able to keep Kawhi and PG on Doncic and Batum on Doncic more than pretty much any other defenders. And when those three are being the guys against Luka Doncic, I like your chances more than Avisa Zubots or Reggie Jackson or Patrick Beverly. So, I mean, Doncic shoots 9 of 24, finishes with 19 points. Now, I'm not saying the Clippers defense impacted him into that shooting, but I, I did a full 14 and a half minute video breakdown of game four where I thought the defensive coverages by the Clippers helped lead to some of that. But Dontras is a great player. He's going to make some incredible shots, and he has in the series. So Ty makes that adjustment. The Clippers get this big win. Farbaugh, what was your thought when you saw the lineup get announced?
1: Uh, for Game 4? Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't too shocked but I kind of saw it coming because it seemed like that's what... It- he was thinking of going to in Game Three, and then he did it anyway. Um, I mean, Zoo Zoo forces Luca to take some tough shots, but like, apparently, Luca likes hitting tough shots. Like he likes hitting step back threes, and you know, you know, one legged fadeaways. The thing that Luca seems to improved on though is last year, it felt like anytime Zoo was on him. He thought he could blow by him, and he would always run into a wall. And he doesn't test that at all with Zoo anymore. He never tries to blow by Zoo every single time. He always makes sure to step back or shoot a jumper. So Luca's just kind of figured out how to get... How to exploit the mismatch in the perfect way every time. But the only thing is like... Which was what I was wondering in the first three games. I was like, it just seems like this dude only takes hard shots. They're never... They're never ball rotation, you know, pull up. Catch and
2: shoot threes. Catch and shoot threes.
1: Like, it's literally just like, watch me just hit the hardest shot imaginable and dazzle you every time. It kind of reminds me of James Harden, where you would see Harden just hit these tough shots all the time. And then there's going to be a game where it just won't fall. And that was game four for him. I mean, everyone wants to blame it on the neck injury, which apparently seems to be fine now. But... Like, there was a regression coming no matter what because the shots, A, they were shooting, like, ballistically lights out, and B, he just shoots some really hard shots.
2: Yeah. Um, Shane and I touch on Dallas's shooting. I mean, Dallas finally stopped shooting 50% from three in the series. I mean, they did it for the first three games. Game four, they shoot 16.7%. They only make five of their 33s. Uh, Clippers go 13 of 33 from deep, which is 39.4%. The biggest story from this game, and we're going to talk about more about Doncic in a minute, because uh, there's a lot to cover from game four, especially in regards to him and some of the trends that have happened, um, which I did touch on Shane with, but have ha- continued to happen in the series. But Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, Josh Richardson, Jalen Brunson, those five guys, five of their key role players, a combined four of 18 from three and 24 points. That's not gonna get the job done because those role players were killing the Clippers in the first three games. They've started to, you know, go a little bit cold. Can that change for game five? Of course. I mean, it's while the Clippers won in a blowout fashion in game four, that doesn't mean they're gonna win in blowout fashion in game five. Like the two are not correlated. But going back to Luca for a second, um when you look at him, you're right. You bring up the most valid point of all, he's not getting easy shots. And that's the whole point of what I think was the Clippers defensive coverages against him so far in this series. Hey man, if you're going to hit step back threes with hands on your face, by all means go right ahead. Like if you're making them, we're just going to live with them. And I think that's why Ty Lue and the Clippers weren't like overly, I'm not going to say depressed, but they weren't overly concerned after the first two games. It was like, we made, we made our own mistakes, but they're hitting shots. Like, what do you want to do? Like kind of thing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I think it was also, they just, they were expecting that regression to the mean and they I think they also just knew what they were capable of and that they were underplaying what they're capable of. Like you see, you know, certain games, like if you see Boston versus the Nets, you're like, there's there's just no way Boston can win that series. It's or or Memphis. A better one would be like Memphis versus the Jazz, where Memphis is putting up a fight, but they just they get beat every time. It's not like they're beating themselves, it's like the Jazz are just better. I think the Clippers knew as long as they didn't panic, they could right the ship because they knew that they were better than Dallas. But it is still 2-2, and we have seen some crazy things happen in 10 years. So I'm not really counting this one done at all.
2: No, this, this series is not done, not in the least. Um, for anyone who thinks the series is over because the Clippers tied it up by winning two straight road games, Dallas won two straight road games too.
1: You also need to watch more Clipper playoff games if you think this series is over. Yeah, that too. You need to.
2: I'm sure Clipper fans do know um, <laughs> some of the history there, at least.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but,
2: but the biggest thing is just defensively against Doncic. Like I said, I did a 14 and a half minute video on this because I found it so fascinating. The Clippers. So in the first three games, and specifically in the first two and a half games. Dallas's entire game plan was get Doncic switched onto Zubats, which the Clippers were willing to do, or get him switched onto Reggie Jackson or Patrick Beverly, or even Rajon Rondo at times. Uh, Rondo a little bit less so because um, I don't think Doncic likes dribbling against Rondo. He likes to dribble against Pat because Pat gets way too overzealous and can be taken advantage of, and he can kind of push Reggie down. But with Rondo, he's been very hesitant to dribble. Just something I've noticed. Much
1: smaller, isn't he?
2: Pat's a little smaller. I just think Pat's way too. Pat gambles more. Rondo gambles smarter. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So that's one. That that's the that's what Dallas was attacking in the first two and a half games. Since so the second half of Game Three and the entirety of Game Four, the Clippers changed their entire defensive scheme. If Reggie Jackson was on the floor. And and Luca wanted to put him into a ball screen to get him switched onto onto himself. So Luca wants to get Reggie on him. The Clippers in Game Four just outright decided we're not giving you that. And so Reggie just outright was told you're going to show hard on Luca on the ball handler, and you're going to recover back, and you're going to get basically you you show hard so that Kawhi or PG or 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 Nick, whoever is the Luca defender there, whoever. Is Guardian Luca when that action starts has time to recover. So you show Reggie recovers back to like Hardaway or Dorian Finney Smith or or someone like that, uh, Jalen Brunson guys like that, and you allow the main defender to get back. And that's and it gave Luca problems. Number two, the Clippers stopped jumping at him. Luca Luca loves ball fakes. He loves shot fakes, and they just stayed grounded. And when he ball fakes or goes into a shot fake. He picks up his dribble. If he's picking up his dribble 30 feet, 20 feet from the hoop, and you're right there not jumping, well, now you've bogged the offense down. And several times in the game, it resulted in a Dorian Finney-Smith contested three with a defender on his hip. Same thing with Hardaway, same thing with Kleba. Like, you're relying on worse shooters against better defense. But the number one thing that they just outright did is they were just able to keep him out of the paint. This is something the Clippers have done masterfully all series. They've forced him to be a jump shooter. And being a jump shooter, what's the one thing that you've harped on, Farbod, with the Clippers in games? It wears you out if you just keep shooting jumpers, right?
1: And there's just no guarantee it goes in no matter what.
2: Right. So they've limited the easier shots for him. Last postseason against the Clippers and last year's first round, 43% 43% of Doncic's field goal attempts came inside of eight feet. It's down to 24% this year. They've effectively lowered it by 20%. He's not getting easy shots. Last year's postseason, 34.5% of his shots came from three against the Clippers in the po- in the first round. This year, it's 42%. That's an uptick in three-point pro- three shot frequency, which, I mean, those are efficient shots if you're making them but they wear you out more cuz they're the step back variety. He's not just catching and shooting off of dribble penetration, kick swing from someone else. It's he's creating these looks. That gets taxing. This doesn't mean that he won't show up in game 5 and have a great performance. He's very capable. He's a marvelous player. One of the, I said this with Shane. One of the five greatest offensive weapons I've ever seen in my life.
1: Yeah, I think he's uh he's on that trajectory to be, you know, you know, every 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, they always try to find like their next Jordan, the next Kobe, or the next LeBron, and it's like he's he is one that could actually be like the guy to step up in place of LeBron.
0: Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend Account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win... You'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
2: If you love listening to us here on Clip and Roll, what's stopping you from grabbing a microphone and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle's the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And, on top of that, we'll help you get your show published and pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to talk to us about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to b w hustle.com slash join check out the description box in this episode to find out more but that's b w hustle.com slash join this might sound crazy and s- stop me if if it if it is how you mentioned jordan okay let's start there doesn't this remind you at least a little bit like Jordan against that Celtics team, not saying the Clippers have, you know, the cachet, like they don't have the rings that that Celtics team did, obviously. But we're talking several great players with a great system that have devised a scheme to slow someone down or at least kind of try to slow them down and stop everyone else.
1: And you You see that in Game 4. It reminded me more of Jordan and the Pistons, just because the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers bullied the hell out of that guy.
2: You're. Cra- I I shouldn't have said Celtics. You're more spot on than I am. The Pistons. I mean, it is. It's. You, you know, there was the Jordan rules. These might be the Dodgers Diaries. I don't know.
1: I mean, <laughs> it's a good name. It's. It's not even just I that. It's it. like. You look at. Sometimes I wonder why Mavs fans like hate the Clippers, and then you and then you you take a second and you really think about what the Clippers did in the playoffs last year. Like they call Luca a. I'm. Gonna, I'm just gonna curse because that's what they said. They called Luca a bitch-ass white boy. They tripped him up. They flagrantly fouled him. They said, cry me a river, Eclipse in six. Like, I mean, they did everything imaginable to piss this kid off because they knew he gets angry easily. And you and you still see it with how many technical fouls he gets in the regular season. is a temper problem. And, I mean, they did everything imaginable to piss him off. And they would get Porzingis ejected. I mean, they <laughs> it was like... To, to and not only you do you do all that to a guy and say cry me a river and call him a bitch ass, you give him the worst defeat in franchise history in the playoffs in game six. So like that's a big L somebody has to hold. It's a huge L you have to hold.
2: I just don't think like there's no love loss between Doncic and the Clippers. Now the coaching staff has changed completely, and some of the players have changed. But the core basis of it is still there. It's still Doncic, it's still Porzingis, it's still Rick Carlisle, it's still Kawhi, it's still PG, it's still Marcus Morris, still Patrick Beverley. Patrick Beverley isn't really playing right now, but he is talking massive amounts of shit to Luka Doncic. You can see it several times on the bench during play.
1: Um, and Luka is talking it back.
2: Luka's talking yeah, everyone. that's what he does. To it's everyone. great. I love it. It's he looks great. like he's
1: been waiting to talk it. Like, you know what I mean? Right, it's
2: it's fantastic stuff. Um, but the the basis of this, that like the point I'm trying to make with like the defense that they've been playing on him, is we we talked about how his shot frequency inside of eight feet has just dramatically dwindled from last postseason against them to this postseason. His three point sh- shooting is up in terms of frequency and even in terms of makes. The other thing, they're forcing him into a lot of shots between in the eight to 24 foot range. So you're in the mid range, basically uh, it was 22.7% last first round. It's 34.3% this, this first round, like these are tough shots. They're walling them off from the rim. They're shading two, three, four defenders at him. And they're basically just going, it's okay. We're just going to help on your drive. We're going to wall you off. We're going to rotate out. We got this game four, it worked masterfully. Now, if Dallas makes six more threes, maybe things, you know, change. Because then all of a sudden you're looking at 11 to 30, which isn't still a great percentage by any yeah, means. Yeah, but,
1: like, at the same time, PG was six for 16. So, like, the chips fell where they fell. Like, PG no, I, uh, I I still don't even think the Clippers had a, had a great shooting game. Like
2: No, they didn't. Um, I actually was talking with Tomer about this tonight, actually. Because uh, one of the things that got brought up in Game 4 was, like, well, the Clippers played the perfect game on both ends of the floor. Well, I think they played basically pitched a perfect game on the defensive end. Offensively, they still weren't amazing. They posted a 115.2 offensive rating in game four, which is the lowest they've posted the entire series. So both teams had the basically their worst offensive outings of the series. The Clippers just had a drastically better one. Um, I guess if we're looking ahead to game five, which we should, and I'll come back to PG in a second. If we're looking ahead to game five, The biggest question to me is does like basically Dallas has more questions that they have to find answers for than the Clippers do. How is Dallas going to be able to bridge the gap to answer some of those questions? Because they need more rim pressure, which maybe means Dwight Powell plays. I actually asked Ty on Tuesday about Dwight Powell because I thought even though it was late in the game four blowout, Dwight Powell had some rim pressure and that's a guy that Rick Carlisle ha- might have to turn to, to do that. They tried to go to Bobon in game four and the Clippers had no reaction to it because they were just going to play him off the floor anyways.
1: Well, I mean, that was a relief by the way, because they like, <laughs> it's kind of petty to say, but it's like the fact that they countered Bobon with zoo within like three, three baskets, two baskets instead of waiting until after a 20 point lead was blown was pretty nice.
2: Well, the other thing, too, is they weren't even worried even if they – because you got to remember, there was a possession – several possessions where they just played their small lineup against them and they just fronted him and took the ball from him, because they're not worried about it because they know on the offensive end he can't guard anyone, so you're just going to blow right past him and they got several layups out as a result. Like, this Clippers team – and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because it is a 2-2 series, but this Clippers team is more adept and knowledgeable at adjusting – and attacking mismatches than last year's team, I feel.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, last year was just kind of trying to fit a circle into a square as many times as possible. There's a system now. Um, the one thing I am very curious about, though, is like the guy who seems to just be struggling is Porzingis. And it's like, because last year he was pretty decent in the games he was playing. I mean, you look he at was his great in that numbers. series. Yeah, you, you look at his playoff numbers, are pretty solid. So I'm just like, is he just? Is he not capable of that? Is he in his own head? Because like, he's got a small on him all the time, and he's not posting up. He's just shooting jumpers over. Like, I'm just kind of curious: is he gonna have like a thirty to forty point game, and that's what's gonna be the X factor, or is Porzingis is he, has he just is that what he is now? Is this what we're getting?
2: So, yes, I think basically, I'm I'm saying yes, not the second part, the yes to. I think he's capable of a 30 to 40 point night. I, I just think he's that good of a shooter to do it. Um, I I think the problem with Porzingis right now, and this kind of ties in a little bit with Powell, is they don't have a way to protect the rim. And I know that's insane to say when you're got, when you have a seven foot three rim protector, but PG came out and said it after game three. So, I mean, it is what it is. But... Porzingis isn't moving well. I wonder how much the knees bothering him. Maxi Kleba isn't working, uh, moving well at all. So I wonder how much the Achilles is bothering him. You know, like, those are your two big bodies. And now you're going to, what are you going to ask, Boban to start playing more? Well, I, I don't know how that's going to work in terms of guarding the perimeter. You know, and this is why I think Dwight Powell is going to be the ace in the hole, so to speak, for Carlisle and the Mavericks, because Dwight Powell's good. Dwight Powell's, Dwight Powell's a good player um he tore his achilles against the clippers in january of last year i remember that vividly i felt awful for him he's a great rim runner good defender you know he's solid he's a solid rebounder like he's a good dude he's a um, good dude yeah i don't know why i said it like that he's a good dude um but that's why i asked Ty about yeah
1: <laughs> what is wrong with you? Do you even know where that's from no Bret Hart used to describe people, he described L Dandy as a real jam-up guy.
2: L Dandy. You're um, aging yourself here.
1: Anyways, you know um you, you know what though, that I'm very interested. I, I mean they clearly don't need more bulletin board material, but it's just kind of wild. They haven't beaten the Mavericks at Staples Center since February of twenty nineteen. It was the uh, I mean, yeah. It was the game where Dirk was like Doc made dirt cry oh, yeah. when he did the doc, little... Yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, That was the last time the Clippers beat the Mavericks at Staples Center because last year they didn't get a chance to play him at Staples Center because I remember all of last season, I was like, man, whenever they play him, like, I'm going to go say what's up to Boban and I want someone to get a picture of me looking really short next to him and then it never came.
2: That's hilarious. Um,
1: did I, ever I know tell I keep you? bringing... Sorry, this is a aside, there's one time in the locker room I don't remember why it happened, but Bobon just comes up to me and he's like, hey, feel my muscle. And I grabbed him by the bicep. Oh, you told me this. Yeah. And he picked me up in the air.
2: Yeah. You told me that.
1: Uh, he's, a, he's the best.
2: He's a good, that hey, good dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the. <laughs> I've never talked to anyone that likes using emojis more than him. I have, like, oh, really? He loves emojis. That's loves hilarious. Them.
2: Um, I know I brought up Dwight Powell a few times, but I did ask, Ty, like I said, I asked Ty about him. Here's what he said, uh, today or on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I thought he came in and got a couple played around the rim a little bit, but, but we know how we want. This was the interesting quote. We know how we want to play him when our guys are in the game. Unfortunately, a lot of our young crew was out there. So we'll be able to adjust to that if they decide to go to that. He's a high energy player. He's a guy who's who's a lob threat when he runs the floor. So he brings different things other than what Porzingis brings. It's kind of like having Zoo and Serge or Zoo and Nico, two different players. We'll be ready for it tomorrow. It screams a coach who they've already game plan for a potential adjustment, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean it it does, but it's also just like
2: there's some veiled shots in there.
1: Yeah, there's some veiled shots. there. it sounds like there could be a possible game plan. But then it's like if you're the Mavs, you want to do you want to try that in a pivotal game five? Or do you want to hope you could get the same looks you've been getting and win the way you won games one and two?
2: I mean, that might that might be their best bet is just try to just start seeing if you can make them again um the looks were a little bit harder in game four than they were in games one and two though so the Clippers really did do a better job the interesting thing is what's Dallas's adjustment like if they don't go to Dwight Powell as a starter like do they go small I say small but Porzingis would still be your center and you're just like dude like we got to get another ball handler on the floor because Luca's dying out there he's wearing himself out so is that Jalen Brunson
1: Brunson's a he's a real solid player like he doesn't good. do anything wrong
2: He's good, but do you remember what happened at the, in the last like eight minutes of Game 3?
1: Uh... They hunted
2: the crap out of him with Kawhi. And they had to take him off the floor.
1: See, I can't remember. That. I think I was, too, <laughs> I was too busy yelling at the TV, to be honest. Okay.
2: They took him off the floor because they went at him like four straight possessions and the Clippers kept scoring off of that action. The small, small pick and rolls with Rondo. And Kawhi kept posting him up. They'd overreact to it. They'd double, and he'd kick it, and they'd get easy buckets. And, like, I think after, like, three or four possessions, Carlisle had to take him out the game for Finney Smith because they were just hunting him all over and over.
1: Yeah, but he's a real jam-up guy.
2: He's a good dude. All right, I got to stop saying that. Um, so... Dallas has more questions for adjustments, but I do think there are interesting things. Like like if, if you're the Clippers far about like, what things do you try to fine tune going into game five?
1: I mean, obviously always the defense trying to figure out how to switch without giving up too much and just leaving a guy on an Island and letting them get what they want immediately. The no open threes continues to be a thing that you should always just make sure you're ready for because that's that's the difference maker um a lot of the things they're doing well they're do like it just seems like they've gotten it down it's more so like being ready for whatever dallas has to adjust because like they're getting to the rim all the time which is what they're supposed to do with the team 29th and rim protection they're, they're getting they're, great they're, shots yeah they're getting great <laughs> shots getting to the rim they're contesting the threes the only thing is like maybe the offensive rebounds you gotta so
2: okay i'm glad you brought the, i was i was actually gonna bring that up if it wasn't for like second like Dallas is scoring second chance points at an absurd rate. Uh, not like, oh my god, they're they're averaging like an absurd amount of second chance push, which they kind of are, but like they're grabbing offensive rebounds and basically just scoring on every single one of them.
1: Yeah, they've scored threes um, on like every single one of them, too.
2: Yeah, that's the big that's that's the problem that they've had with the threes, is they'll give them up after offensive rebounds, which are always the toughest threes to guard because you're crashing the glass and then it's like a long rebound, boom, open three. Um I think there is a real case, and I understand this is getting ahead of myself, but I think there's a real case to be made if the if some of the shot variants went differently in terms of like, all right, you grab a couple more defensive rebounds or off of offensive rebounds. Dallas doesn't make as many threes. There's a real chance the series is already over in favor of the Clippers.
1: Yeah, I mean, but some intangible things had to happen. They did. uh, So
2: did you see the interest, the interesting stat from game four? Which one? The Clippers had 17 fast break points in game four, which was their highest of the series. Their previous series high was game two. They had 13. Feels like so here's the highest the thing. of
1: the season. Uh it,
2: I don't think it's the highest of the season, it's, but it's, it's up there. not,
1: but I'm just I'm used to them screwing up fast breaks so much.
2: I mean, actually, it's one of their highest of the season. It would be in their top ten. Uh, yeah. but um here's the here's the crazy part. The Clippers scored 17 fast break points in game four. The Mavericks have 13 for the entire series. Oh wow, they don't run. That's that's a Dallas problem that I, I think the Clippers have exploited. They know Dallas doesn't want to run.
1: Well, the so every time, also did a good job of. I mean, I don't know if it's a good job or a bad job because it put Luka in foul trouble, but like they did not let the Clippers run at all in game one. They oh game one they
2: took about four or five take fouls to yeah. stop them. Yeah, I remember that, and that was smart on their part because it, it, it really it was did smart stop. Until baskets. Luka
1: got like four fouls going into. The well, court. he got
2: three. And then he picked up his fourth, which was overturned on the challenge. Remember?
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
2: Which would have been massive. Um, But yeah, I mean, Dallas doesn't like to. Re- One of the problems I have with Dallas from like as a neutral observer standpoint is like they slow the ball down and transition to get it to Luka. Like they rely on him for everything. And that's part of the problem. It's wearing him out.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of like. They, I mean, un- unless Tim Hardaway Jr. just decides to pull up three out by himself, which he's done, which
2: he's capable of doing.
1: So there's still a lot of X factors on that team that you kind of you can't just say, oh, the Clippers are going to win. There's a lot of like, right. The Mavs are so good offensively, like and you've seen it in a lot of the regular season games. They're so good offensively. They don't even have to play defense like. Do you know how many Mav games there, Mavs games there were in the regular season like against the Warriors or against somebody else where it was, like, it was just an offensive onslaught where neither team played defense, but the Mavs just out-offensed them? Quite a few. Yeah. So, and I remember Charles Barkley complaining about a bunch of them too.
2: The crazy part is Dallas was a top 10 defense this year against top 10 offenses. They have not looked like it in this series. That's wild. They just... The Clippers have just they've really hammered them by the way, credit to Ty because by taking Zoo out of the starting lineup and putting him Batum, he got the advantage on the starting lineup with spacing, and then he was able to bring Zoo in against Caldy Stein or Bob or Bobon,
1: which is very or, needed,
2: yeah, which was very needed, and it- it killed Dallas like. The, the best stretch that Zeus had is the sec is, is the final four minutes of the third quarter in game three and his entire game four. He fouled out in game four, I think, but he, he was still good.
1: Yeah, he. Or, yeah, I just remember he fouled out and then Marcus had to go on Boban.
2: And that was still fine, which is yeah. hilarious. Uh, by the way, shout out to Marcus. He missed his first nine three point attempts in the series and since then has made six of his last nine. And in game four, I will say this. It went largely unnoticed, but Marcus saved the Clippers ass on the glass. He had eight rebounds and was just like he was tipping rebounds away from like a Maverick or two.
1: Things because he struggled so much with that in game three. He made it a point of emphasis in game four.
2: I think they were all told you need to gang rebound. Kawhi had 10. PG had nine. Reggie, Nick, Rondo. They all had five. Marcus has eight. Um, Rondo's been great, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, he only almost only does good things.
2: Rondo and Batum together is like the Bash Brothers.
1: No, nah, I mean, they're not beating anybody like Batum is not beating anybody like Reggie and Kenyon Martin. Reggie Evans and Kenyon Martin were the Bash Brothers. No,
2: I mean, Bash Brothers in like just a nice nickname. I don't, I couldn't think of anything other than Bash Brothers.
1: Do you remember where that's from?
2: Yeah, it's from um, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco.
1: Oh, I thought I, I'm thinking of the Mighty Ducks.
2: Oh, no, no, no. Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, when they were on the Oakland Aids, were called the Bash Brothers in like
1: 1988. When did the Mighty Ducks come out?
2: Like 93, 94.
1: Oh, well, they're called the Bash-um Brothers in Mighty Ducks. Either way. Damn, that movie Bash-um got 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. bash What were they,
2: Doug Bash-um?
1: Nah. Remember, remember Doug bash the wrestler? Yeah, hold on. What are they called? Yeah, they're just called the Bash Brothers. Never mind. All right. Either way, they just beat everybody um, up. That's why,
2: by the way, I want to take some time out here and uh, we're going to get out of here in a minute. But Clipper fans gave a lot of crap to tie for starting Reggie in games three and four. Um,
1: more so. Game Reggie's three been there for
2: more so game three than four. But I kind of think like Clipper fans praised Reggie all year for how much he helped them. And then just didn't like they they didn't want to see him in the postseason. But he's been good in the series. He's been their third leading scorer in three straight games. He's their third leading overall scorer in the series. He's the only other guy besides Kawhi and PG even in double figures. I think he's averaging like 11 or 12. He's one of the few guys who has shot creation or one. Yeah, actually, one of the few guys with shot creation off the dribble to the rim. Great catch and shoot guy all year. Trust that guy. Please. We love big government. Trust big govy.
1: I think it was because they just wanted Terrence to play so badly. It was more about Terrence than it was about Reggie.
2: I understand that. But I think you need the spacing of Reggie. I understand Terrence shot well from three this year, especially in the corners. But I think you need that. That that spacing from Reggie to kind
1: of get you going. Also, Terrence looks scared to shoot threes because it looks like he doesn't want to piss anybody off.
2: He does. Okay, thank you for bringing that. He looked like he did not want to shoot a couple. And there was a snippet of or the soundbite of uh, Marcus in game three, right? Or game four, telling him, dude, just shoot it like it's okay."
1: Yeah, I think he just he he does not want that issue if he misses it, which is understandable, but like, yeah.
2: I mean, he's, his energy on the offensive glass cutting is still great. Like, yeah. I love it. I He 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 executed the defensive game plan perfectly in Game 4 against Luka. He sat on Luka's left hip. That's the side that Luka likes to step back on. And he just pushed him towards the wall every time. Yeah. Um, Luka hit a couple tough turnaround fadeaways from about 15, 16 feet. That's what Luka does. Luka's an amazing player. And we need to get out of here. But Farbod, it's really... Interesting to me how much has changed since game two and even since the first eight minutes of game three.
1: You mean around the NBA in this series?
2: In this series.
1: I mean, yeah, it feels like a totally different series.
2: They were down 30 to 11 in game three down 2-0 in the series. And it was looking like, dude, like this is it. And they came back. They, they showed a ton of fight and now it looks like they're in control. However, the series is still 2-2. There's a long way to go in this one. It's a best of three. Game five is a new game. Dallas is going to make more adjustments. Both teams have had two days off. Clippers haven't really played well with two days off this year. But here's the thing. I think you're seeing more answers out of the Clippers than questions, and I'm not sure I can say that out of Dallas right now as we go into game five.
1: Yeah, it's... uh... I mean, the only thing I can say is uh, bring, bring, uh, bring your all caps lock on Friday. Or not Friday, or Game as, 5.
2: Or as Ty did, slam the table with your hand and demand that fans be raucous and rowdy and vocal in Game 5.
1: Bring your caps lock, bring your spirit bomb. You Dude, he hit the it.
2: shit out of that. He hit the shit out of that table.
1: Yeah, the Tomer ruined the question. Or Tomer ruined the uh, he did. Did my mic, mic drop?
2: He texted me after that, and he was like, I, ru- I ruined it by asking the second thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know why he did that, but
2: whatever. Bring <laughs> your spirit bombs. Hey, Farbon, does home court matter?
1: Uh, not really.
2: Uh, I was pulling a Tomer. Oh,
1: that's what he asked. I forgot that's what he
2: asked. <laughs> does home court matter? Um,
1: is it Tomer? I'm trying to go home. Batai, does home court matter?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Kawhi Leonard's been incredible Paul George has been great Reggie Jackson's been good Nick Batum's been marvelous third best player for them in the series Rondo's been great Marcus looks like he's on the upswing Zoo still ha- has a role in the series uh, man looks like he has a little bit of a role Pat Bev's perfectly fine being benched which is great because that's, that's good to see that he's okay with that. because if the Clippers do advance they're going to need him for the whoever they play in the next round which is looking like Utah But, um, yeah, as of right now, Clippers have more answers than questions. Dallas doesn't really have that luxury, but this could flip real fast um, if the Clippers aren't careful. they got to come out ready to go. Dallas is going to try to get one back.
1: Momentum is a thing in the playoffs, but the momentum can change in a quarter of the next game. It can change in two plays. Like, the Clippers, like... Like you look at game two and you look at the start of game three and the Mavs clearly had the momentum carrying over, but it changed within a quarter. Things things can change. Momentum changes very easily. Don't think it lasts the whole game.
2: It's like I told Shane in the the last episode. In game three, when they're down 30 to 11, do you remember how the comeback starts? Like the play that the comeback starts on. I can't
1: remember if it was a three or something.
2: PG misses a pull-up in the mid-range. The rebound goes just over the hand of Maxi Kleba, right to Kawhi Leonard, and he just pulls up from 10 feet and makes it. It didn't seem like much, but it was something. You know what I mean? And that's how it starts.
1: I feel like that's, that was like the perfect ending, so I, I have nothing left to say.
2: Okay, all right. Well, now it's, now it's screwed. Anyways, everybody take it easy. Farber, you got anything for the good people?
1: Uh... Mm, watch nothing just get your all caps ready that's all I'm going to say
2: watch nothing get your all cap ok alright folks take it easy social distance stay safe still wear your mask if, you, if it's required where you are uh, we'll see you all probably in the next couple of days we might record one after game 5 uh, and have it up before game 6 uh, depending if we have the time But everyone take it easy stay safe and we'll see you all later